the sentiment of the era has changed. People have uh, been through enough of lost decade in the past decade, and today is a new day. Oh, I hope he's right. I know the feeling, though. I hear you, brother. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast. That's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, on uh, in Red Bluff and Redding, on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODS. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com, your still progressive, still pro-democracy news headquarters for the better or worst parts of the last 20 years. Thank you for joining us today for another thrilling broadcast. Coming up in a bit, as uh, as, as as we suggested may, we may be able to do this week, I would love to open the phones to listeners with your thoughts on what CNN did last week in granting a 70-minute town hall full of Trump supporters to the uh, disgraced, twice impeached, criminally criminally indicted, sexual abuser, former president of the United States. As noted last week, I was of a mixed mind about what happened uh, at that town hall forum on CNN and what should or shouldn't have happened when CNN gave a gave a forum to the current GOP frontrunner for the 24 uh, presidential nomination. But I would love to hear your thoughts on the question of whether the town hall should have been carried out at all on CNN giving Trump a platform to essentially lie about quite literally everything that he had to say for 70 minutes uh, straight inside a room of cheering Trump supporters. And as maddening as it may have been, did the forum end up actually helping or hurting Donald Trump in the long run? I may have some thoughts on that, but I'd, I'd love to hear yours. And if he shouldn't have been granted such a forum on live television, how might CNN or any other major news outlet better have informed and educated the electorate? As per our constitutional duty, as I see it, about the current GOP frontrunner. 
Our phone number is and will be 818-985-5735 if you'd like to line up early to join us with your thoughts on that. Good day, Desi Doyen. How are you? Uh, how are you I doing today? I am doing all right. How are you? <sighs> Just trying to keep up with it all. <laughs> I know. Stuff That's keeps all. happening. It's, it's kind it of does. weird. It does. I know. like that, I guess. I guess. Apparently so. <laughs> Why didn't someone tell me that 20 years ago? Uh, anyway, uh, first up, uh, before we get to all of that, um, as, as democracy has been having a rough time in the uh, battle against autocracy, both here at home and abroad in recent years, we had two small d democratic elections overseas over the weekends that I want to get to over the weekend that I want to get to with uh, what I would describe as decidedly mixed results for democracy fans. We'll uh, get to that in a moment. But. Uh, well, we saw what appears to be another incident of political violence here in the U.S. on Monday near Washington, D.C. A 49-year-old man armed with a, a, an aluminum uh, baseball bat attacked two Democratic congressional staff members at a district office in northern Virginia on Monday after asking to speak with Congressman Jerry Connolly. Uh, that, according to the congressman in a statement, Connolly said the individual committed, quote, an act of violence at his Fairfax, Virginia office against two members of his staff who were taken to a hospital. Thankfully, with non-life-threatening injuries, the Fairfax City Police said on Twitter that an individual was in custody after the attack at the eight-term House Democrats' local office. The suspect's name was not immediately released. Connolly said in a statement, the uh, thought that someone would take advantage of my, staff ex my staff's accessibility to commit an act of violence is unconscionable and devastating. Conley represents a swath of northern Virginia suburbs west of D.C. He was first elected to Congress in 2008. Fairfax police spokesperson said the police received a call about the attack at Conley's uh, district office at about 10.50 a.m. on Monday. Conley was not working in that office on Monday. The uh, congressman told CNN that his office sustained damage, including broken windows. Virginia's Democratic U.S. Senator Mark Warner retweeted that uh, statement from Connolly calling the attack a, quote, extraordinarily disturbing development, I'll say, adding that intimidation with violence, intimidation and violence, especially against public servants, has no place in our society. That, of course, was the latest attack amid a sharp uptick in violence directed at lawmakers and their families in recent years. Since the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol, threats to lawmakers and their families have increased sharply. The U.S. Capitol Police investigated around 7,500 cases of potential threats against members of Congress in 2022, but the year before... Following the Trump-incited attack at the U.S. Capitol, uh, officials investigated around 10,000 threats to members, more than twice the number from four years earlier. You'll recall in October of last year, an intruder bludgeoned Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, uh, in the head with a hammer inside their San Francisco home after the uh, intruder demanded to speak with uh, Pelosi, shouting, quote, where is Nancy, echoing the uh, January 6th insurrection where uh, some of the 
Insurrectionists were uh, asking that same question throughout the halls of the Capitol. As to democracy overseas, well, as noted, we had two major elections over the weekend without violence so far, thankfully. Let's begin quickly with a bit of a nail-biter in Turkey, along with a timely reminder here that small-D democratic elections do not always result in the election of small-D Democrats, necessarily. Turkey's long-serving conservative president, uh, Erdogan, will now face a runoff with his main opposition party rival in two weeks that will decide who leads a country struggling with high, sky-high inflation and hosting Syrian refugees as it plays a key role in the Middle East and in NATO expansion. Election officials in Turkey said Monday that the May, 22, May 28 second round will allow Turks to decide if their nation remains under the increasingly authoritarian president's firm grip for a third decade, or if it can embark on the more democratic course that Kamil Kloçdaroğlu has claimed that he can deliver. Erdogan faced Electoral headwinds due to a cost of uh, living crisis, current inflation rates are said to be about 44 percent in Turkey, though that is actually down from around 86 percent, with independent experts estimating the number is actually much higher than that. Though it's something to keep in mind as we bicker in this country about inflation rates that are currently uh, less than 4% annually have been coming down for the past year. And with Erdogan facing criticism over the government's response to a devastating February earthquake that killed more than 50,000 in the country. Nonetheless, with his alliance retaining its hold on the parliament, Erdogan is now thought to be in a good position to win the second round in two weeks after the nationalist, as in previous years, led a highly divisive campaign, even if he failed to win outright in the first round of voting for the first time ever in his career. The 75, uh, 74-year-old uh, Clutch, de, and, and sorry, I'm having trouble with the name. It's, it's said nothing like the way it's actually spelled. Cloch de Rolu uh, and his party have lost all previous presidential and parliamentary elections since he took leadership back in 2010, but increased their votes this time around. The election was a big deal for Turkey with high turnout and a demonstration that the incumbent President Erdogan, while weakened since his last run for office, is still a formidable political force despite his failure to secure a first-round victory. Erdogan, who has led Turkey uh, for 20 years uh, won 49.5% of the votes. That's just below the 50% plus one level that he would need to win, that he would have needed to win outright in the first round. His main opposition party challenger received just shy of 45% of the vote. A third candidate from a farther right party received about 5.7%. Sunday's vote was closely watched around the world for how it could shape the course of Turkey which is an important NATO ally with a wide array of diplomatic and economic ties across continents, with Erdogan in recent years often frustrating his Western partners, getting closer to uh, Putin in Russia, for example, frustrating even the United States. Before the vote, most polls suggested a slight lead for Clutch de Rolu, 
the joint candidate of a newly formed alliance of six opposition parties. This is the first election in Turkey's history in which no presidential candidate secured a majority in the first round of voting. Erdogan appears to have the edge in the runoff in just two weeks. The elimination of the third candidate leaves his voters, many of them from the right, up for grabs with most believed, uh, if they participate in the runoff, to likely choose to go with Erdogan from that third party that's now been eliminated. Klitschirolu, however, has predicted that he would prevail in a runoff, telling supporters early on Monday, quote, we will definitely win and bring democracy to the country. The Election Council said that turnout on Sunday surpassed, get this, 88.9 percent, that of the 64 million eligible voters in Turkey and overseas. Some endured long lines and returned to uh, quake-destroyed neighborhoods to exercise what many see as a national duty. That is uh, by way of contrast, I think, with this country. Uh, Turnout there is far greater than, for example, the 66.6% turnout that we saw here in the U.S. in the 2020 presidential election in the U.S., though, frankly, uh, that was high numbers for the U.S. Even higher numbers are not unusual in Turkey, uh, nor, sadly, are the uh, low turnout numbers here. And 2020 was a very high turnout for this country, and yet we still only got to about 66 or 67%. Yeah. And I find it very fascinating. I would I mean, I don't know enough about the uh, way that voting is conducted and elections are administered in Turkey, but I really would hope that somebody will do a comparison to find out why they have such higher voter turnout than we do. It might also have something to do with the fact that they've been run by a dictator for 20 years. But I don't know. (laughs) I'd like to find out. Says you, an elected dictator, I will (laughs) underscore. Uh, Many political scientists uh, do not consider Turkey, however, to be a pure Democracy, Right. Largely because of the uh, huge power exercised by the president or, as Desi calls him, the dictator. Erdogan told supporters early Monday that he was prepared to face a runoff. He said, quote, in my political life, I've always respected your decision. I expect the same democratic maturity from everyone, said Erdogan. Easy for him to say when right now he seems to be the favorite going into the runoff. Yes. Something else worth noting here for now, uh, Erdogan's decision to step up nationalist rhetoric during the campaign, that appears to have paid off both for him and for his conservative parliamentary alliance. During the campaign, Erdogan escalated his criticism of the U.S., even claiming on the eve of the election that President Biden was seeking to topple him. Erdogan and members of the party uh, openly accused the opposition of cooperating with terrorists because they received the support of Turkey's main pro-Kurdish party. Turkish nationalists often accuse Kurdish politicians of supporting or cooperating with Kurdish militants who have been at war with Turkey for uh, with the Turkish state for decades. So don't expect Klochterolu's coalition to necessarily embrace Kurdish support over the next two weeks, as analysts believe that uh, in a runoff, the candidate who more effectively espouses nationalist positions in Turkey could end up picking up more of uh, 
the uh, third party uh, 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 third party supporters, the ones who have now been removed in the uh, in the runoff. As noted, Democratic elections do not always signal Democratic victories. If that makes sense. In perhaps slightly brighter news overseas uh, for elections over the weekend, Thailand's opposition secured a stunning election win on Sunday, as Reuters reports it, after trouncing parties allied with the military, setting the stage for a flurry of deal making now over forming a government in a bid to end nearly a decade of conservative army backed rule in Thailand. The Liberal Move Forward Party and the Populist Few Thai Party were far out in front with 99% of the votes counted, but it was far from certain that either of them will be able to form the next government with parliamentary rules written by the military after its 2014 coup skewed in its favor. To rule, the opposition parties will need to strike deals and muster support from multiple camps, including members of a junta-appointed Senate that has sided with military parties and gets to vote on who becomes prime minister uh, and, uh, and to form the next administration. So you see what I mean about a mixed bag here today. Sunday's election was the latest bout in a long-running battle for power between Few Thai, the populist juggernaut controlled by the billionaire Shinawatra family, and an excess of old money, conservatives, and military with influence over key institutions at the heart of two decades of turmoil in the nation. Nonetheless, the staggering performance, as Reuters describes it, of Move Forward, uh, basically, they rode a wave of support from young voters, and that will test the resolve of Thailand's establishment and ruling parties after the upstart party came close to a clean sweep of the capital, Bangkok, on a platform of institutional reform and dismantling monopolies. Huh. Turns out that's popular. Not just here, but everywhere. And especially with young voters. Move Forward came out on top, followed closely by few tie. According to the pre preliminary results, both were set to win more than triple the number of seats of the uh, political vehicle of the junta and the army-backed United Thai Nation Party. Move Forward's 42-year-old leader, Pita Limejaronrat, described the outcome as, quote, sensational and vowed to stay true to the party's values when forming a government. Quote, it will be anti-dictator backed and military backed parties for sure. He told reporters it's safe to assume that minority government is no longer possible here in Thailand. He said he remained open to an alliance with few Thai, but has set his sights for now on being prime minister. The sentiment of the era has changed. And it's right. It was the right timing that uh, people have uh, been through enough of lost decade in the past decade. And today is a new day. A new day indeed, uh, at least we can hope, in Thailand. Uh, it's now clear, he said, that the Move Forward Party has received the overwhelming support from people around the country. The uh, preliminary results uh, in that uh, contest are seen as absolutely crushing for the military and its allies in Thailand. But with parliamentary rules still on their side and influential figures behind them and involved behind the scenes, they could still have a role in the government. 
The uh, current prime minister, a retired general who led the last coup, he had campaigned on continuity after nine years in charge. Hey, you've had a military junta in charge for the last nine years. Why change things now? Why, why switch horses midstream? Uh, he warned that a change in government could lead to conflict. On Sunday, however, he slipped away quietly from his United Thai Nation Party headquarters where there were few supporters to be seen. His party actually came in fifth overall. He told reporters, quote, I hope the country will be peaceful and prosper. I respect democracy and the election. Thank you, he said. And with that, he was gone. That's good. The uh, second-place few Thai party had been expected to win, having won the most votes in every ballot since 2001, including two landslide victories. Three of its four governments have subsequently been ousted from office after its founding by a polarizing self-exiled billionaire tycoon. His party remains hugely popular, however among the working classes and was banking on being swept back into power over the weekend in a landslide on nostalgia for its populist policies like cheap health care, microloans, generous farming subsidies. The, uh, the voice of the people is most important, said the billionaire's 36-year-old daughter who had been thought to uh, become the next prime minister. She uh, apparently, well, we'll see if she's right about that, but it does not look like her party came on top as expected. The winning party at the moment move forward. They saw a late rally in opinion polls. They were betting on 3.3 million first-time voters getting behind their liberal agenda, including plans to weaken the military's political role and amend a strict law on royal insults that critics say is used to stifle Descent. So, still tentative, but encouraging signs, I would say, for Thailand moving forward, if you will, after the weekend election there. Here at home, uh, however, depending on how you look at it, signs may or may not be quite as encouraging, particularly after the violent incident at a congressional office on Monday morning and after last week's 70 minute live town hall on CNN in which Donald Trump was granted a ticket to lie for more than an hour in what was billed as a Republican town hall in New Hampshire for the uh, GOP frontrunner in advance of the uh, first state in the union, New Hampshire, to hold its primary at some point at the beginning of the year next year. And for some reason, many in the media, including even those on CNN's own post-town hall panels, seemed absolutely shocked and embarrassed by the spectacle that had taken place for 70 minutes on CNN. Though, as we discussed last week with Salon's Heather Digby Parton the day after that town hall, what did these people think would happen? I mean, has the media and the nation actually forgotten who Donald Trump is by now? It seems many of them perhaps have, but it's also arguable that last week's town hall appearance, while likely helping Trump among his base of Republican primary voters, as appalling as it was at times, it may have actually awakened, uh, woken up some folks uh, on, on a broader level with a reminder about who Donald Trump is and what we will definitely be seeing from him if he's able to capture the GOP nomination to run for a third time in next year's general election. I'd love to hear your thoughts, however, on last week's town hall. Should CNN have held it at all? If so, should they have done so with a different format? 
If so, what should that format have looked like? Uh, if, if not, I would ask you, uh, doesn't CNN have a responsibility to showcase the various candidates who are running for president in a contested GOP primary next year, especially the current frontrunner? My phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you are uh, in our local live listening area in Southern California, or if you happen to be listening via the uh, web stream from anywhere in the world at kpfk.org. And if you'd like to ring in with your thoughts, whatever they may be, I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. I'm also on the Twitters. If you prefer, you can find me at the Brad blog. Of course, you can always send me email as well. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Let's take a quick break here and we'll come back with your thoughts and others straight ahead on today's pro-democracy Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Shut up! Will you pardon the January 6th rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? I am inclined to pardon many of them. And that was because they thought the election was rigged. And they were there proud. They were there with love in their heart. That was an unbelievable and it was a beautiful day. You defended the comments that you made on that Excess Hollywood tape about being able to grab women how you want. Do you stand by those comments? I said, if you're famous and rich or whatever I said, but I said, if you're a star, women let you. I have no classified documents. And by the way, they become automatically declassified when I took them. But no, why? you have to declassify Let me ask them. I'm going to stop you right there, though, because moving. the Presidential Records Act, it, it does not say that you can take documents with you. It says actually that they it are the property you, of the federal government. You, you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them. Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? It's very simple. To, you're a nasty person, I'll tell you. <laughs> do you want over. Ukraine to win this war? I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people. And I'll have that done. I'll have that done in 24 hours. When it comes to your documents, did you ever show those classified documents to anyone? Not really. I would have the right to. By the way, they would declassified what do you mean, not really? after. Not, not that I can think of. I said you talk too much. Oh boy, you never shut up. Yeah. What do you mean by not really? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Got thoughts on last week's uh, live town hall with Donald Trump on CNN? I'd love to hear from you. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. As appalling as the town hall was giving Trump a chance to, as you heard, to lie after lie after lie and to defame and re-victimize yet again the woman that he had just one day earlier last week, uh, had been found liable by a jury of having sexually abused and defamed, that would be uh, magazine writer E. Jean Carroll, as appalling as all of that was and as angry as I suspect 
uh, it may have made many of our listeners to watch, did CNN ultimately do the job that the media is mandated to do? As I see it, including myself, by the way, our mandates to educate and inform the electorate as we are given special dispensation, unlike any other industry, in the actual U.S. Constitution itself. Yes, it was grotesque. But in the end, while it may help Trump in the GOP primary race, does that sort of thing actually help or hurt him among the general electorate? 818-985-KPFK. Uh, if, if the way to cover the 2024 presidential race is not to do what CNN did last week, how should Trump be covered? What could have or should have uh, CNN done differently? 818-985-5735. The appalling affair also included some bona fide news, I will note, as appalling as it was to hear. I would argue the voters... Uh, themselves should hear some of this news. For example, Trump said he was, quote, inclined to pardon, quote, many of the January 6th seditionists and insurrectionists. He encouraged congressional Republicans to allow the nation to default on the nation's debt for the very first time in U.S. history. If they don't get the spending cuts that they want, failing, of course, to mention that as president, he raised the debt ceiling three times without cuts, without spending cuts. He cut taxes, which meant he made the deficit worse. But nonetheless, he raised the debt ceiling time after time after time. Um, Caitlin Collins, who was the uh, moderator of the event, she uh, did get him to admit, for what it's worth, that he opposed negotiations over the debt ceiling when he was serving as president because, as he conceded, well, he was, quote, president at the time. His audience of supporters found that hypocrisy to be hilarious. He said he was honored quote, honored to have paved the way for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade and take away constitutional freedoms from the entire nation. Quote, good things are happening, he said about that, though he refused to answer questions about whether he would support a nationwide abortion ban. So, you know, yeah, you should take that as a yes. He absolutely would support a nationwide abortion ban. He suggested that uh, he, he would again separate migrant children from their parents at the border. He seemed to uh, support that idea, had no problem with it. And, of course, he wouldn't say whether he believed that Vladimir Putin was a war criminal or even if he wants Ukraine to win its war defending against the deadly imperialist invasion on a democratic sovereign neighbor by Russia, as Trump pretended to be against all of the killing even while his comments guaranteed, as our guest on the show the day after the town hall last week, Heather Digby Parton, pointed out, uh, Trump's comments will now virtually ensure that the killing by Russia will continue at least until next year, at least until uh, when and if it becomes clear that uh, Donald Trump will win or lose the presidential election, given that he's likely to cut off all support for democratic Ukraine based on his comments at the town hall last week. As we noted, the live televised event uh, held in early voting New Hampshire underscored the impossibility of fact-checking an unapologetic liar like Trump in real time. As, repeat, as he repeated lie after lie while being cheered on and applauded by an audience of Republican supporters. But... 
As I also noted, noted while the forum was certainly a gift to Trump and certain to boost him, <clears throat> boost his standing among supporters, I wondered, would it actually win him any more new ones? Or simply serve to remind the rest of us who will vote in the general election just how much of a horrible, lying, criminal autocrat that the man actually is. And if Trump is a major candidate for the presidency of the U.S., how should his candidate be covered if not how CNN did it last week? I would love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Will events like the one that CNN gifted to Donald Trump with uh, last week, will that actually help him in the long run among the general electorate or will it hurt him? And how do you think his candidacy should be covered by major outlets like CNN? The uh, panelist, as I noted, actually on CNN after the circus was over on uh, Wednesday night, was it, Desi Doyen? Yes, okay. it was West. Wednesday night. You know, these these panelists who were on CNN for analysis of what happened, they were clearly shook up, it seemed to me, in watching Oh, them. definitely. I would agree with that. The, I, and I would argue they seem to be terribly embarrassed by what had just happened on their network. Even if none of them had the courage at the time to say so, it kind of came through uh, from their comments. The following day, however... CNN's Anderson Cooper offered some thoughts on the criticism that uh, CNN had taken. He offered some thoughts uh, during his own show about what had happened the night before. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. It was disturbing to see and hear that person refer to a black law enforcement officer as a thug, an adjective he used many times to describe black men, and call Caitlin Collins, the moderator, nasty, which is what he calls any woman who stands up to him. It was disturbing to hear him speak so highly of QAnon conspirators and insurrectionists who assaulted police officers in our democracy on January 6th. And it was awful to hear him spread ridiculous lies about the election. And it was certainly disturbing to hear that audience, young and old, our fellow citizens, people who love their kids and go to church, laugh and applaud his lies and his continued defamation of a woman who, according to a jury of his peers, he sexually abused and defamed. As good a job as Caitlin Collins did trying to fact check him, it is impossible to fact check fully because he lies so shamelessly. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that, giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. The man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the front runner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed and he is running hard. 
You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? Hmm. Good question. Now, Cooper got quite a bit of blowback uh, in response to those remarks, uh, sort of uh, with folks characterizing him as, you know, being an apologist for what CNN did. But guess what? I am hardly an apologist for CNN, but I actually think Cooper, on the whole, is right. Yeah, it may help Trump in the GOP primary, but I actually don't think in the long run that it will help Trump in a general election. As I mentioned on the show last week, I can't fathom anyone watching that, watching those 70 minutes and saying, you know, I was going to vote for Joe Biden, but now that I've seen that, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. I do think, however, it may well remind people who and what we are now dealing with once again in another presidential election. So overall, as maddening and unhelpful as CNN's forum arguably was, and make no mistake, they were not, at least not purposely, uh, you know, trying to educate the electorate in the way that they carried out that forum. But to think his appearance, uh, you know, will actually help him in the long run, I don't think that's exactly right. You may feel differently, and I'd love to hear from you if so. 818-985-5735. Ultimately, I think... It hurts him more than it helps him. But as I say, you may disagree. 818-985-KPFK. I'd love to also hear how you think Trump should be covered by these mainstream outlets. Let's go to uh, some of our callers here. Matt in Fullerton. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, I don't care if it helps Donald Trump or not. Um, the person, the, the entity it helps is CNN. Uh, Donald Trump got in because CNN fawned all over him for a year and a half and licked his boots whenever he wanted them to and gave him all sorts of free airtime, and they're doing the same thing now. Mm. They're doing it because it gives them ratings, and mm -hmm. that's all they care about. And just because they tried out their little apologist, Anderson Cooper, who gets it, mm -hmm. doesn't make it legitimate in any possible way. There's no journalistic legitimacy there. It was a freak show. <laughs> and there, was, there was no reason to put that insurrectionist on the air who had, as you noted, the day before, been found civilly liable for mm -hmm. sexually assaulting a woman. Yeah. And they put him on the air as if they were going to grill him or something like that. Well, you can't do that unless you've got somebody as a, a, a bellicose a-hole like Trump to do it, because he's the king of them, yeah. and he's going to steamroller over whoever they put up there. I hear you. Matt, so should, should uh, that said, should they have given that kind of a forum to the other candidates, like, say, uh, Ron DeSantis and, and so on and so forth? If you wanted to watch Ron DeSantis try to out-a-hole Donald Trump, sure. <laughs> no, I don't think they should have. Why are they giving anybody... A town hall at this point. It's not even how far away is the election? How far away is New Hampshire? So yeah, how well, quite a few months. But uh, how about uh, Joe Biden? Should he get a uh, a town hall? Because he doesn't get enough airtime. Uh, no, I, uh, just because uh, to grill him, to ask him questions, to have the audience ask questions. I'm not arguing he should. I'm saying, you know, there's a big question about how to cover a presidential election. We've done it for years now with these town halls. You're saying we should just call them off at this point. They're, they've outlived their uh, uh, purpose. They absolutely have, like so many other things, Trump broke them. Gotcha. Call them off. There's no legitimate purpose to do that sort of thing. If you want to interview them one-on-one, Put somebody tough in there and do that, and then fact check it and and do whatever else you have to do. But these town halls are a joke. They're nothing. They're they're, they're nothing but uh, but they're just there to get ratings. 
you don't learn anything new about it. Nobody learned anything new about Donald Trump from that that they didn't already know. Right. It's just a, a platform for him to, to be the worst person he can possibly be. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the call. 818-985-5735. Let me go to Hal in Huntington Beach. Hey, Hal, welcome to the broadcast. How you doing, man? Okay, yeah. what's up? Um, I, I think he, they should have aired it. I mean, he's like a boil. That needs to be lanced. Mm-hmm. So the only way to do it is if you gotta, you know, let all prick the whole, the head and let the pus run out. <laughs> well, what about what Matt's? What about what Matt said that nobody learns anything from that sort of exercise? Well, I mean, it's 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 all the same rhetoric anyway. I mean, if you or I did what he did, we'd be in jail by now. You know, but uh, I mean, that but that's not really the point. Just trying to stick with this. I mean, should he be given this platform? You're suggesting he should be given this platform to go on TV and lie after tell lie after lie after lie for seventy minutes. Yeah, well, you know, Goering said it best. You know, the bigger the lie, the more people believe it. And if you tell it often enough, they the more people believe it. So, so you're saying that because Nazis thought propaganda was a good idea, then therefore we should have Donald Trump on CNN? Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. you, you see everybody else doing it. I mean, okay. he was on Fox News before. Yeah. So I, now I, maybe I, CNN, CNN will give them a little competition, you know? Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be like trying to fight for position with them. Yeah. Not very persuaded by that argument, Hal, but I do appreciate you calling in and making it. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to uh, Keon in uh, in Ventura. Hey, Keon, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, hey, it's Keon. It's good Kian. to talk to you. Good hey, to yeah, talk just to a you. couple things. So I know we're talking about the CNN panel, but I wanted to just go back to the Ukraine thing real quick. So I don't really see how if he's not president coming up here, if he doesn't win the next election, how his words are going to affect the outcome ah. of, of the Ukraine. Let me explain that. Thank you for asking. Um, okay. So the point that uh, Heather Digby Parton was making on this show was that uh, now, essentially, Trump came in. You heard him at the uh, during that montage at the top saying that, oh, within 24 hours, he will settle this entire war. Setting aside the uh, notion that that is absurd, it's been going on for years and years. But even if he thinks that's true, what he's basically saying is he's going to cut off support, cut off military support right now, uh, or as soon as he possibly can, for Ukraine. That sends a message to Russia. Hey, if you can just uh, hang in there long enough until Donald Trump gets reelected then you might win this thing that you appear to be losing so badly in uh, in Ukraine. That was the argument that uh, uh, Heather was making. Does that make sense? Uh, okay, I see. Um, and that, and in turn, that means the killing that he pretended to be against, oh, I just want to stop all the killing, he has now guaranteed that that killing will continue until the next election is settled one way or another, whereas, you know, it, they might have been able to find a way out of this uh, between now and then. Okay. I certainly see how he could be seen that way from the, from out other countries. But within this country, you know, he uh, certainly didn't dial down any of the the damage being done to Syria or really most other locations, even though one would think that he would be have alliances to where he's inclined to dial down, you know, our 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 place in Syria. Who, Trump you're talking about now? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about Trump. Oh, yeah, no. Well, he, he doesn't – he lies about everything. So, of course, yeah. it doesn't matter whether he could actually do this thing, but he's put this out there that, hey, if you just wait long enough for me to get in uh, Russia, I will help you out and, you know, just, just keep killing people until then, basically. Okay. I can see that argument. I certainly think that if you were to, you know, regain office, there would be back channels to where the communication doesn't really even need to be in public like that over media wires. You know what I mean? Um, it well, seems like he could, he could, uh, well, let me put it this way. I don't think that it's necessarily a, um, bad posture to be against the Ukraine involvement for say, for example, for a, a leftist, you know what I mean? No, he, um, I don't know. What, what do you mean? Well, even though Trump obviously has spoken that he would end the conflict, I can see there being reasonable voices within the Democrat Party for ending the conflict. And it's certainly not principled on his part. Like well, said. well, of course, I, I think there's can be reasonable uh, voices on all sides who want to end the conflict. But right now you have, a, you know, an imperialist nation uh, invading another another nation that happens to be a sovereign democracy. And if we really wanted to end that, why, of course, the invader could stop invading, just as was the case when the U.S. invaded, you know, Iraq. Had we stopped that invasion, that war would have ended as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not really a matter of, uh, you know, whether nobody wants it to continue. But there's a way to end it, which is Russia can stop their war and pull out. Uh, and so far, they show a few signs of, of doing that. And now they have no actual reason to do it, because if they can hang in there long enough, they'll have an ally in Donald Trump who will undercut their well, uh, enemy in Ukraine. We do have control over is our yeah. own investment in the military, though. Mm -hmm. What Russia is doing, non we don't necessarily have control over to what degree we fight them. Other than to what degree we fight them. Right. Well, um, I think democracy is worth fighting for. I think it was worth fighting for in World War II. I think it's still worth fighting for today. Ukraine, and I am decidedly an anti-war guy. Ukraine has banned most of their opposition parties, though, and consolidated their state media yeah. into one, yeah. into one entity. Yeah. Seem very democratic. Yeah, I'm not sure that's actually true in the in the least, Google but it, we can, yeah. I know, we can, uh, we can uh, fight about that another time. I'm happy to. Google it. I, uh, please, Google uh, it. Yeah. All right. Opposition parties. All right. It. It's, yeah, thank you. Gotcha. Thank you, Keon. I appreciate the call. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to Mike in L.A. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, I'm a little amused to hear all these people wringing their handkerchiefs about the enthusiastic nature of the audience at this uh, CNN thing. When's the last time you tuned in an infomercial and heard a skeptical or critical audience? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. These were a paid crowd, and they were performing just the way those extras did when Trump rode the elevator down into the lobby when he uh, started his campaign in 2016. Well, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure it's fair to say that there were a paid crowd. Do you have ev I have not seen any evidence that they were paid. They were supporters of uh, theoretically they were supporters of Donald Trump and other undecided voters. It seemed that uh, almost all of them were either supporters of Trump or had previously supported him. Um, right. so I I don't know that they were paid, but they were clearly uh, supporters of of Trump and the notion that anybody would be surprised about the reaction that he received as the CNN panelists afterwards seemed to be. It's like, where have you people been for the last, what, two and a half years? Did you forget who this guy was? And you all, your network set up this thing to work like this, to be a live audience with uh, of, of Trump supporters. Of course, that's what happened. 
Precisely so, and it was CNN that got paid by the yeah. uh, ratings they garnered for that. Mm-hmm. But it's no no great surprise, between, uh, you know, the way things are going now. We have a Supreme Court, which is expected to uh, pronounce on constitutionality, uh, who apparently have not read their own enabling section in the Constitution, which said they are to be regulated by the Congress. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, They've read it. They just don't care. <laughs> they, they really don't. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the uh, call. Good to hear from you, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. I'll note this uh, response from John Stewart. I know a lot of people want to get uh, on. I'll get right to you. But uh, John Stewart, uh, who disagreed with uh, Anderson Cooper, that audio that I played, he tweeted, Dear TV, the problem with the Trump town hall wasn't platforming or a fragile, siloed audience unable to exp- to be exposed to newsworthy opinions antithetical to their own. The problem was an event that was clearly negotiated to Trump's approval and owed to access, wrote John Stewart. We promise, good sir, we are no longer fake news, an enemy of the people. Let us prove it to you. We are fair and good and we'll do this however you would like. Just come back. Stewart says, I learned nothing from this town hall about Trump and his most ardent supporters that I haven't Uh, that I haven't already known since 2016, I learned a lot about CNN. 818-985-5735. Let me go to Fred in Sherman Oaks. Hey, Fred, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, hey, 100% CNN should have allowed Trump to uh, speak his mind uh, in front of the national audience. Why? uh, Why? Why? Because he's running for president, that's why. So should he have been... Fred... Let's have a conversation here. So should he be allowed to lie and uh, in, in a way that he can't possibly be fact-checked because he's throwing out lie after lie after lie for 70 minutes? You mean you're, you're telling me that Trump is the only one lying? Have you, have you been around uh, when all of the, uh, the, uh, the COVID-19 uh, lies, the Russiagate lies, the Russia hoax lies? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. All right. Not kidding. Not- lies, you got to look in the mirror. Okay. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate that call. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this uh, this this lie that you're promoting that Russia is losing the war in Ukraine yeah. is is got to be corrected. Okay. Uh, Ukraine has absolutely no air defense now. Okay. Uh, Russia is just waiting for the mud to solidify because it's really muddy over there. They can't yeah. get their, their tanks yeah. going over the terrain. Okay. So once once the terrain solidifies. It's going to be taken over. It's going to be a bloodbath. Gotcha. It's going to be, the whole country is going to be taken over in about three months. Okay, gotcha. It's That's got the summer. I appreciate that, Fred. That's exactly what they said last year, of course, as soon as the mud solidifies why it's, it's over for a Ukraine. That was just a few months after they said it would be over for Ukraine in a matter of days after uh, Russia invaded on February, 20, uh, February 24th of 2022. That hasn't happened yet as far as uh, lies about what Fred called Russiagate, as far as lies about uh, COVID, as Fred was referring to. Those are exactly the type of lies that Trump was telling for 70 minutes nonstop. Poor Caitlin Collins, who did the best she could do, could not keep up with those lies. Uh, That said, she should have never been uh, put into that situation to have to respond to those, in my opinion. Yeah. And and I think it underscores also that we really didn't hear anything new from Donald Trump here. He was basically even more intensely nutty and even more unhinged and clinging to these lies that have been debunked over and over and over again. And And it was really surprising to me that the Republican audience cheered for that. 
that. But, you know, obviously what you hear on the public airwaves and on cable news makes a difference in what people believe are actually true facts. Wait. You were surprised to hear the Republicans cheering? Seriously, I know I Desi shouldn't Dorian? be, uh-huh. I, but I still was. <laughs> okay. Well, I, you know, and, and let me underscore, I think in the end, um, the, uh, the America learned more about Trump and about this election that the uh, it comes at a great price, though. These lies are terrible. They have uh, poisoned the brains of Americans, Americans like Fred, who listen to this show. I think that's horrific. Um, but in the end, uh, you know, I think that uh, town hall helps Trump in the uh, Republican nomination. It does not help him in the general election. And frankly, I think at this point, Donald Trump would be the easiest of the Republican candidates for Joe Biden to defeat next year. Uh, 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Matt in. There we go. Matt in San Luis Obispo. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Good day to you all. And um, what I have to say about what the the way the media is going to go, piano players in the brothel are always going to be playing in the brothel. That's what the corporate media is in many of our eyes. And I think we've just got to brace ourselves because they're going to give him all the leeway and, and the free air that, that he wants. And should they uh, give him, but, you know, he's the front runner in the, uh, for the Republican Party nomination. Shouldn't they give him, how, I mean, how do they cover them, Matt? How do they cover him, Matt? Yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree that, yes, they should cover him, but they shouldn't capitulate to, you know, get kiss the ring of this man in order to get him on. Cover him, but yeah. don't go by his script. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. That's what I I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you for that call, sir. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, a caller, uh, what, what was that, Des? Uh, somebody oh, sorry, yes. Uh, we us? had an earlier caller yes. who apparently had uh, referenced Nazi Germany and had referred to Goering as being the person who was the master of propaganda, but mm-hmm. no, it was Goebbels. So, you know, got to get your German name straight, but it was Goebbels who was the master of Nazi propaganda that convinced Germans that it was a great idea to kill all of the Jews and ship them off to concentration camps. Thank, thank you for that uh, correction. We like to make sure that... Uh, we, we uh, accurately and correctly, even when it's from a caller, even when it's about Nazis, we want to get it right. So thank you for that. Uh, do I have time for? Yes. You go, uh, no, I just there, there's one more. You know, I would like to weigh in on whether or not CNN should have held the town hall. Please My personal do. sense yes. was no, they should not have held it in that format because I don't think that format really serves anybody. And also, I think it points out um, that, you know, Donald Trump basically dictated the terms for which he would be willing to appear for this 70 minute lie festival. And, you know, I think that for CNN, they clearly seem to be trying to reach to attract more Republican uh, listeners, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably a lost cause. If they wanted to listen to CNN, I don't don't think that they were going to gain any viewers, Mm. I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And and I think that all non-right-wing media outlets should realize that, that there really isn't anything that any non-right-wing media company could do to appease 
the folks on the right. I mean, they have a very specific uh, requirement for the kinds of facts that they are interested in listening to, and they're not really the facts that are established and haven't been debunked. Truth. They're not actually looking for truth. Uh, Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, CNN now has a right-wing owner. We talked a little bit about that last week. And that seems to be, he believes that if CNN was just literally, he said, more like Fox, fair and balanced, that would be better. One quick email here from Pam, uh, who writes me, I am bradcast at bradblog.com, emails me to say, dear Brad, this is an individual who has clearly demonstrated that he has no respect for a constitution and laws and people in general. Why indulge him? CNN no longer has any integrity, in my humble opinion. Sounds like she agrees with you, Desi Doyen. Uh, He is a prolific liar and seems to think he's above others. And as such, laws do not apply to him. Since you are a fair individual, I understand your stance. She says that he should be given airtime. He should be placed under lock and key, says Pam. Thanks for all you and Desi do. Yours sincerely, Pam, an actual Bernie progressive. Quick very quick, one more uh, call here from our old friend Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast. Back to the broadcast, sir. Oh, Mo, are you there? Oh, hey, wait, hang, wait, hang, hang on, hang, hang on, Mo. Start over again and take the phone away so it's not quite so close to your face so we can understand you. I was just going to say that Desi Doyen said everything I was going to say. Oh, and she said it much better than I did. All right. I'll tell you right now. Jewish voices of peace, they would never give a known Nazi a platform. Yeah. And neither should have seen them. Thank uh, you. Thank you, brother. Good to hear from you, Mo. Uh, well, you got well, you got one person who agrees with you, Des. Yeah, there you there go. There you go. Our old friend Mo. Good to hear from him. All right, and uh, good to spend an hour with all of you. Thank you very much for that. Thanks to our producer Desi Doyen, to our board operator, the great Wendell Handy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed. Any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and internets and to a Twitters and Mastodons, you will find me at the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. listening to the broadcast we are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com/donate